0: What's up, y'all? It's Whitley, and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. I just want to hop right into it. Um, I'm not sure what this session will be called, but um, what I'm thinking about is the power of the village, which, in short, is uh, this is a talk about accountability, And, you know, I talk about pretty much accountability in some way, shape, or form every single day. Um, And just a side note, if you hear cars and stuff passing, it's because I'm sitting in my car, car chronicles. (laughs) Um, But y'all know I hit on this uh, thought of accountability every single day and or every time we do a session. And I, I was prompted to do this conversation because... Of course, we all know about you know the young black woman Shakari Richardson, who um, had made the Olympic team. She broke a record in a hundred meter race, and now um, that is maybe in the balance, hanging in the rocks right now. She has been suspended for 30 days. She can't run in some upcoming uh, qualifying race, and she's been disqualified from her signature race. But if they do let her go to the Olympics, then she'll have the potential to still run the relay. Um, what, uh, what prompted me to do this episode is because this morning, of course, you still, I'm still seeing a whole lot of posts about it. You know, just seeing various opinions and thoughts. And then I want to say, I think it was probably today she did an interview with daytime america i think that's the the show and it was on facebook and i watched the whole thing and i mourned for her and what i mean i mourn like i literally cried for her um, i cried for myself and any other you know woman who has dealt with that either public or privately uh, has dealt with you know falling from grace <sighs> and the reason i i say i'm thinking about the power of the village i'm thinking about accountability is because there are various opinions about shikari like you have those people who are like don't judge her we still support her you know she's only human which is a tweet she has made too on twitter that's went viral um you know we still support her I think they should still let her run you know we have that side and then we have the side who's showing no sympathy like you know she knew the rules it don't matter what's going on like you've been doing this for a while it's like you know you you made your bed lay in it and then there though there are those people who are in the middle like you know I'm not judging her she she ran the race you know I still support her why at the same time, I don't support her actions because she knew the rules, you know. Um, but it is what it is right now. And I lean on the spectrum in the center, you know, because I definitely sympathize with her from where she comes from, what she's experiencing. She said she had just found out she lost her mother when we saw her first race, I think, go viral. Um, and... You know, I understand the pain that comes with that and different ways to cope. And then, you know, at the same time, I agree with the aspect of like, man, why risk that, you know, in that way for that moment? And that's just a question. That's a question I know I've had to ask myself a bunch of times, which brings me into a couple of testimonies that I have. Um, and why I mourned for her, I mourned for us, because um, I think accountability in the village is necessary, uh, not just as an individual, like holding yourself accountable, it's the reality that we need people, we need other people to to see us we need other people to sometimes get in our business and I say this speaking from personal experience because when I went to uh college and undergrad I I had just started smoking weed I I went my whole high school and everything not smoking weed I, I thought it was like smoking cigarettes I was like nah and then um I want to say that the summer I was going to college was my first time ever smoking. I think I smoked like twice that summer before I went to, to college. And I don't even know what made me try. And I think I had pain in me. Like, you know how Facebook shows those memories. And back in 2011, that's when I graduated high school, our parents now now we know our parents and stuff to be on Facebook, but back then in 2011, it was still pretty new. So our parents weren't on social media yet, you know what I'm saying? So that was still like the millennial, the young millennial space. So I'll see memories now back when I was graduating in 2011, like I saw one about, I want to say at the end of May, because that's around the time I graduated where I was like, man, can't wait to get out this house. I saw one just yesterday when I was like, I hate when mom would come home with an attitude. Like, there were multiple things like that, that. And I wish, you know, some of these memories, I wish Facebook would stop showing me. But it shows me where my mind was at and what was going on. And me looking back at it with adult eyes and knowing the relationship, you know, woes and highs and lows me and my mom have experienced since then. It's like, man, that makes sense. I had pain and I didn't know it. Like, I was so ready to go to college. Like, some people be like, oh, I miss home. I never felt like I'm homesick, ever. Even though I was just in Denton and I'm from Dallas, and if you're from Dallas, then you know Denton and Dallas is like a 40-minute drive, 30 minutes if you're speeding and there's no traffic. I never went home. I never wanted to go home during the summertime. I never wanted to, you know, I never felt like, oh, I miss my family. Like, I've never felt like that. And you, you'll hear more about that story if you listen to, I think, the third episode of um, The Mother Wound. But I, I just never had that feeling. So I had pain. And, yeah, I started experimenting with smoking. like, after there was nothing to hold me accountable because what kept me from smoking, even though they didn't do drug tests, was because I was on drill team. And I felt like, ah, no, if smoking like cigarettes. I don't want to, you know, I knew the effects of cigarettes. You know, and I had friends who were smoking in middle school. You know, and some people are from neighborhoods like I have. I had people around me who was smoking in middle school, so I lasted all of middle school and high school not smoking. But then, when I didn't have anything to to be active with, and all of this pain, I guess, was building up, I started trying it. And then my freshman year, it just became a habit. And I remember meeting this one girl through an, another friend that I had been known for high school. And uh, I was headed to the casino with them. we I don't even think we ended up making it to the casino. But they had, like, weed and stuff in the car. They were smoking. I, I don't think I was even smoking that night. And we got pulled over. And everybody in the car got a ticket. And I was so scared we were going to get, like, go, get, go to jail that night. And I remember uh, this guy I had met, he was a senior at the time. He was like, you got to watch who you hang with. He was like, you knew on campus, but, you know, you taking a risk that could have ended bad and I feel like that was my introduction to like I have to be more mindful like you know what are you doing but I ended up with a $200 ticket it didn't go on my record or anything because I didn't personally have weed but since you guilty by association I did. Second run in I want to (sighs) say this was my sophomore or junior year on campus Um, I was going to strip club for a friend I was going from Denton to Dallas and I went with one of my homegirls. and both of us were drinking that night and she was driving but then I was encouraging her to drink and then of course I was drinking so by the by the end of the night we was there by the end of the night I thought I could drive us back and I woke up and the police and I was on the side of the road and the police officer was knocking on my door my homegirl was in the back seat like slammed out like she wasn't even I don't even think she was conscious and I was waking up behind the steering wheel and a police officer was knocking on my door and I was like in utter panic and he pulled me out the car he was like you have been drinking tonight and I was like no no like I remember this night so vividly I was like, I'm a dancer. And I was like, see, I can balance. I'm good at balancing. And the reason I noticed because, like, how embarrassing it was, you know, weeks later when I had my lawyer, she played back the audio for me. Like, I never want to relive that moment ever again. But, uh, yeah, he was just kind of talking to me. My homegirl ended up, he drove, he let her drive home. I don't even know how she ended up waking up, but he let her drive home. And I went to jail that night. I went to jail that night for drinking and driving, uh, had, a, had a head mug shot, everything, and, um, and I was scared because I had, at the time, I, I, I wouldn't say it was a government job, but I was working at a, uh, my line sister had, she was working at a, like a children's home uh, for foster children. So, of course, you got to get thorough background checks. Your record got to be clean to be in that type of environment. And this was one of the best jobs I had because it was pretty easy. Like I cooked them dinner (laughs) and um, I was getting paid like twelve hundred dollars a week like and was working there for a short time because they do like ongoing background checks for some reason. And it was so random they found out that I had just been arrested over the weekend and they put me on probation and of course I was on probation until I was fully cleared so I lost that that good job I feel like I was a disappointment to so many people like my line sister put my name on the line she could have put her own reputation on the line because here I am she recommended me spoke well on my character and I'm getting arrested for a DUI over the weekend um I went through two years in the police system, and it was because of the money I made on that job that I was able to pay a lawyer. Had I not paid a lawyer, I wouldn't have even gotten off how I had got off, and, and getting off wasn't that good, but they ended up placing me on probation. Um, I want to say my probation for was, like, for a year, and if you've ever been on probation and you're listening to this, then you know, like, it's agonizing and it's both and it's also a financial responsibility like every month you're paying them they can drug test you randomly you got to do check-ins where you actually got to go to them or sometimes they have the mobile ones where they come to you Um, you also have to finish community service you know it's just all of these requirements that you have to get finished at a certain amount of time and again I didn't have a job so it's like the stuff i'm scraping up you know trying to trying to make happen you know just just wasn't working and then again because smoking was my habit i wasn't into drinking like that anymore anyway um but i didn't you know i knew i could get randomly drug tests i went home over a break or something like that and my mom i found out that she was sicker and I felt like she was leading me and my sister to believe or else she was telling my sister more but wasn't telling me and that angered me. I mean on top of the relationship I feel like we already had but I was home and um, I came home and I think I said this in one of the episodes but I came home and she was supposed to get us a surgery done Um, because mom had been dealing with fibroids for a very long time and they were growing to a you know insurmountable size to the point where she finally she had to do something about it and I came home I think uh over the weekend or something so that you know I could just be be there be around and uh I think mama said something to me that day, and I yelled at her because she, she made me mad. I don't even remember over what. So I felt bad about that. But then, like, this is hard to explain. Like, if you've ever, you know, been in an argument with too stubborn, it's too stubborn people or whatever, and then the other person, they don't really apologize or acknowledge. They just try to make you feel bad with other stuff. I'm not saying my mom tried to do this, but... I am saying this is how it made me feel. I overheard her on the phone with my one of my aunts. And uh at first she was downstairs in the car talking, but she came up she came upstairs and was kind of finishing the conversation. An apartment they lived in at the time was small, so I'm sitting in the living room, she's right, you know, pretty much next to me in the kitchen and she was like, Yeah, I didn't have my surgery today because My doctor called me and was looking over the test results and told me if I would have got on the table today, you know, it would have been a matter of life and death. I probably wouldn't have got up. And when my mom said that, I just kind of looked at her. And, of course, my mom trying to make eye contact. So she just sitting on the phone playing with stuff in the kitchen. And I mean, y'all, that that made me seethe with anger. And I was just getting angrier and angrier because I'm like, I didn't even know you were that bad off. You didn't even let me know. Like, while at the same time, I'm angry because I'm angry at a time when she needs me to have empathy for her. So it's like all of these feelings and I'm 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 growing up without the tools to know how to deal with all of this pain. I have so much pain in me as many of us and I'm saying us as black women but this can be white women Indian anybody can relate to this like sometimes we can have depending on how you grew up we can have so much pain inside of us that's built that's built that's built that's making us make choices on the outside that we know better that we know are not good for us but it's the only way we we are finding release some type of mental release some type of emotional release because sometimes we don't even know we're feeling as bad as we're feeling I hope this makes sense so I left there I went back home and I started smoking again and I'm on probation I gotta check in and the thing is I know when I gotta check in with my probation offer because I set this I set the date <laughs> you know I set the dates but I also know I have to at least check in a minimum of once a month so because I felt like I got drug tested, you know, two times before, I was like, you know, I can smoke and get away with it. But I just started smoking because, again, like this pain, I don't know. At the, and I'm saying this now in hindsight, but at the time, like, I didn't, you know, I'm not saying I'm smoking because of pain. Like, I wasn't that aware. But I know my pain is driving me to do this, and I only know this now in hindsight But I know, like, I I have enough awareness to, it's like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but it is what it is. Like, that's what I knew for sure. And so, uh, yeah, I was smoking and I, and I, and it was crazy because the next time I went in, I had just changed probation officers and it went from some woman I had, she was a white woman to this black lady and she was the one. I guess it's because it was her first day meeting with me. She drug tested me that day, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" Like, I've been smoking, and I the only and I hadn't only been smoking for like a week and a half before I went to go see her, knowing it's not gonna be out my system the way I was smoking. So she drug tested me, and of course, they don't send you anything, uh, or at least mine's didn't, until the next time I saw her. So it was like a month in between, and she was like, you know you failed your drug test the last time you were here. And she said it like in the middle of our conversation, like, I'm thinking we all in the clear because the conversation started off good. And immediately when she said that I like bust out crying, and it wasn't even an act, I felt so bad. I felt embarrassed, and she was like, Willie, really, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I said I'm I'm mad, I'm angry. I said my mom was just sick. I I don't know, like I don't know, and I and I think she felt bad for me. Like I I didn't even I didn't even want to make any excuses, but that's what came out of my mouth. Like I didn't even know I felt that way until like here it is, I'm facing the consequence because the thing is when you when you fail a drug test on probation one they can they can immediately revoke your print probation like if you step outside of probation they can immediately revoke your probation you could serve jail time for whatever jail time you would have served so for me it probably would have been like 20 to 30 days or something like that so they can make you do that and then that DUI or whatever offense you have they can put that on your record permanently and you don't have a chance to get off your record but when you serve probation what goes on your record is a, a very small offense. So something like that's so on my record is like obstruction of highway, which can be something as small as like leaving an abandoned car on the side of the road, whether than, rather than getting it towed. Yeah, so people don't see a DUI or even jail time on there unless they do one of those super duper thorough checks. Yeah, so she was just looking at me and she was like, you know what I could do. And she started explaining it to me, you know, what, basically what I just explained to y'all. And she was like, this is what I'm going to do. She was like, I'm going to extend your probation. So the, the horrible thing about this is I was about to be off of probation. Like that was, I want to say one of my last visits, that was the, that was the kicker. And I had to extend my probation for like, four or five more months, and then she assigned me to go see a therapist, and I had to pick out the therapist, and I had to pay for it out of pocket, so not only did I have to extend probation and deal with these check-ins, deal with not smoking the can, I also had to now go pay for a therapist, find on my own, pay for it out of pocket, and I had to uh, continue to pay the fees that come along with probation, which is not cheap. <sighs> so one I was just grateful so I'm not complaining I'm grateful because the consequences I could have gotten you know I was grateful for being let off but that like that woke me up and I'm I'm telling y'all what's what's so crazy is I think I tried smoking in between that time again again and y'all at the time now, people who I went to school with, some people didn't notice, some people did, but I also, because I was still on probation my senior year going to high school because I think I got this charge at the end of, like, my sophomore year, and I, and I didn't get, like, a real uh, court date to even start the process until, like, my junior year, so I finally didn't even get on probation till like, the start of my junior year or something like that. So I had been dealing with the court system since my— since my sophomore year to my senior year, and uh, in a, in my senior year, people who went to UNT know like I I won homecoming queen. I was getting all of these awards, and I was really being put on the pedestal. And there's this picture of me uh, when I was announced homecoming queen, where I'm like bowing down on the field. And people don't know, like... That moment was so... Nothing was was planned at that moment. Like, I had so much doubt and so much fear. And I was like, man... How am I being crowned queen? When if they pull the curtains back on my life, I feel like the court gesture like I feel like a fraud you know people are looking up to me I have like these little girls want to take pictures of me like all they see is me with this crown on you know looking at me like I'm somebody to to be admired you know somebody to be somebody to be put on a pedestal and here I am behind the scenes got a whole record on probation around that time when I won I had just got my probation extended and also we had got in trouble again because me and my homegirl um I had weed in her car and she went to jail for me that night because she claimed it for herself and I don't even know if I've ever forgiven myself for that So here I am, you know, thinking I'm this bad and horrible person behind the scenes and yet in front of people, I'm continuing to be exalted. I'm continuing to be placed in these positions and get these awards and get these titles that I felt like, who am I? I feel like a fraud. At the same time, I had so much pain in me, like at a time where I felt like I should have been the happiest I went home every day feeling so empty, feeling like, man, I feel like I'm putting on a face, I'm put, putting on the facade. And I and I bring up this whole story of why I said I mourn for Shakira, and you know, I and I would love for y'all to go watch that that interview. You can probably Google and find it because what she said I, I felt deep in my heart. Where she said, you know, when you faced with a type of pain I just lost my mother she was like who's to tell me or who am I to tell anybody else how they should cope you know and I saw myself because I'm like dang sometimes we don't even have the tools and we're not willingly trying to risk what we know is good for us we're not really trying to jeopardize our future but that that the pull of our pain is far beyond what we can even articulate until we're faced with the consequences. And I don't want that for us. I don't I know I don't want that for myself now. Like I have to be more conscious of of what I'm choosing, but and I talked about this on one of the episodes like three days ago where I said, you know, how do we start to hold ourselves accountable? four things before you know is to the point of public pain and these harsh consequences that we could have avoided I still support you know what Shakiri stands for Shakari stands for so she did something phenomenal but my mom used to say something like your talent gets you in the door but your character will keep you there And understand that when I talk about character, I'm not talking about whether you're a good or bad person. To me, that's a narrow, that's a very narrow definition of character. To me, character is a compilation. It's like a basket of characteristics that make up who you are. So somebody's character can be made with made up with uh, perpetually being late, lying, uh, deceiving, deceiving. Uh, doing mediocre work and somebody's character can be made up. always being earlier on time respecting their own time somebody's character can be made up of discipline, being what they say they're going to be having their word aligned so sometimes when we talk about character we can be talking about these little aspects that we need to work on. I don't like to look at character like whether they're a good person or bad person or whether they have good character or bad character it's like, okay, what part of their character needs to be worked on? Is it their ability to be honest? Is it their ability to show up on time? Is it their ability to commit? Is there is it their ability to, to follow through? Is it their ability to discipline themselves? So what I saw in myself with Shikari is that, I'm sorry, y'all. He's like over here blowing. And I'm like, it's raining outside. <laughs> Like, why are you out here cutting grass in the rain? (laughs) Um, But what I saw in her is, is, is one, being able to identify pain and then disciplining ourselves to find ways to cope and to process that don't jeopardize our ability to move forward or our future plans and unfortunately shikari made that decision you know to take that chance and i told y'all that story because so y'all know i'm not judging like i i was her i was definitely her making all these decisions knowing what was on the line you know, like knowing, knowing full well what I could be risking, what I could be exposed to, what the consequences could be, and still, you know, just propelled to do what's going to make me feel better. Period. And I want to wrap this all up in in the conversation of accountability in the village because I remember. Uh telling a friend because my senior year I also did a pageant like I was active my senior year while I was wrapping up being on probation I remember uh telling a friend one day she was like really, how's everything going this this and that and it was after I came from uh the pageant rehearsal and I was just like and I don't know what made me say this because I don't know I low-key think I was depressed now looking back on it But I remember telling her I was like I don't know I feel like so many people are happy around me and happy for me like because so much like I feel like I'm going from win to win to win publicly and if you went to UNT while I was there my senior year like and you're listening to this then you know like I was going from homecoming queen to Greek woman of the year to MPHC president to winning the uh, pageant and winning the scholar. Like I was going from win to win to win to win. Like I, I had a phenomenal year what people could see on the outside. And I looked dead in her face and I was just like, I feel like so many people are happy for me and I feel like this should be such a happy time. But I feel so numb. Like I don't feel happy. And she just kind of looked at me like, I don't know if she was expecting me to say that. And I know I probably caught her off guard with that. You know, and I'm not saying people can save us because sometimes we have to go through things. But I don't know. I don't even know what I would have wanted from that moment. But I'm sharing that to say like, (sighs) I don't know why I'm sharing that because I was just about to say what I wish she would have done but you know I think everything happens for a reason and I don't know if I would have done it but I okay I will say what I wish she would have done I wish she would have told me why don't you quit the pageant you won't be a quitter if you quit but you need to take care of you And the thing is, I don't know whether I would have done it or not, but I feel like that would have at least made me feel seen because what I was used to and what I would tell myself is that if I quit, I'm a quitter. I'm a loser. I'm not being strong. So I continue to deny myself to continue to put on a show, and I wish she, who I, who I trusted with that information, just would have said... Why don't you stop what you're doing? You won't be a quitter, you won't be a failure. I'll still love you. And everybody who really supported you, they'll still love you. And I doubt I would have did it, but I feel like even my strength would have been renewed just to feel seen. But the fact that I felt like I even had to keep putting on these appearance and put the put the weight of the world on my back, I just I just continue to carry it in silence and I don't know what you would do with that information you know if you're listening to this but this is what I mean when I say you know the village is necessary because yes life goes on for all of us but it's nothing and this is why relationships have been become pressingly important to me and people genuinely checking in with me or me genuinely checking in with them, or you know, just just really showing up to ask myself, what kind of friend am I?" because nothing in life matters because everything, even with this moment with shikari, all those things can be snatched away from us. If what's going on within us ain't right. If it ain't settled, if it ain't in peace, it's not going to last. And I would hate for any one of us who's listening to this to get to a place that our talent, our natural abilities, our drive has gotten us to. But parts of our character strip away from us and then publicly while other people are watching. I don't want that for nobody because I know what it feels like. That's why I feel for my sister like, man, and she's 21. Like life is just now getting started for her. So, if you're ever put in a position where you see your friend, your homegirl, a family member doing something that you feel like is detrimental to what they say they want to do or what you see them capable of, no, you're not that mom, but you may need to be that friend to intervene and say, hey, I see you doing this and you told me you want to do this. That ain't in alignment. Or if they haven't even told you they have no dream, just say, hey, I feel like you're wasting you know, your potential, your talent, or this could, you could really risk this, and all you're responsible for is saying at one time, like, you're not nobody's probation officer, Lord forbid, but sometimes as friends, we need other people to say, I see you, sometimes we need that, I see you, because if we feel like we can continue to get away with it, nobody gonna say nothing, like, they just gonna kind of stay silent, because it's like, oh, that's not my business, like, We just left left for dead. You know, and I had a friend, like we we talk about we talk about a lot, you know, and she had went on a date with this guy. I think she went on two or three dates and he wanted to he was a guy who made a lot of money and he wanted to take her on a vacation and whatnot. And in my mind from their very first date, I was like, No. This guy probably used to this, you know, and I don't think you know him like that to be going out of town. This is what I felt like as a friend because I care about my friend but I kept my mouth closed. You know, I didn't I didn't even insert what I think because I felt like, man, I don't want her to I don't want to come off like I'm hating, I don't want to come off like I'm judging. I don't want to, you know, you know, like I, you know, I had all of these different worries that it's just like no, Whitley, like be a friend, but I didn't do that and she ended up having a horrible time going out of town to the point of feeling unsafe and I cried when she told me and I told her why I said man I knew I knew and I was like and I felt that and I didn't say anything and I feel horrible and I didn't mean to make that moment about me being a horrible friend but like she told me she said Willie I wish you would have said something she said cause I don't know if I would have still went or not like that would have been up to me but she was like I respect you know I respect you, I respect our relationship, so at least, it would at least make me slow down and reconsider. And so it's been many moments of, of that where I've had friends doing stuff or like, you know, just moments where I feel like I could have said something, but I didn't want to insert my opinion or I didn't want to come off a certain way, but I knew what they were doing was very detrimental or just wasn't good for them to the think is all we got to do is say it once. It's not for us to become their mom or, you know, become an officer, you know, or become God in their life. But sometimes all we need somebody to do is say, hey, I see you. Or can I offer you a different perspective? Or this is what I'm hearing or this is what I'm seeing, but you can make your whole choice. I just feel like I wouldn't be a friend if I didn't let you know what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing. And sometimes I, I feel like right now we live in a culture where We can't critique a thing or we can't hold people accountable or hold space for people to reflect in a real way without it being considered judgment. And it's like, would we rather hold them accountable in private, even hold ourselves accountable in private, than face a public downfall because we haven't gotten that part of our character together? Which one would you prefer? Because let me tell you, I've been on both ends and I'd rather face the pain of one of my friends or even myself or God checking me when ain't no eyes on me. Like y'all wouldn't even know this story had I not told you or had you not been on the behind the scenes of my life. But I could have easily been exposed publicly. I'm grateful God didn't allow that. But even when I went to New York, when I went to DC, they would do background checks and I'm thinking my my record is clear. It would come up and I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. Why do I keep having to live this? And I felt like almost. <sighs> I almost felt like that was God reminding me, look where I brought you from, state of course because in new york i hadn't smoked for a while but i was thinking about it and then i fell into the habit of doing it and they don't really drug test for teachers out there but they uh they do do thorough background checks even if you're student teaching and that came up and i was so scared and the question that popped up when the agent had called me uh no, they, they did not call me first. The question, because it's an automated thing, it was like, why did you lie on your questionnaire? Because you know those questions they ask you, have you ever been convicted of this, this, and that? And I said, oh my God, I didn't lie. I was like, because I'm thinking this is off my record. Like I've been on probation for it, but the fact that I had to relive that and explain that two years after, after the fact, and then when I moved back to Dallas in 2018, I subbed in DISD for a year, and then the next year which was last year I subbed in Arlington ISD and it came up on my record again. I was like, oh my God, here it is, 2019. This stuff was cleared in 2015, 2016, and I literally had to write their HR department a letter basically explaining what happened, who I am now, and that I'm not that woman anymore. So it's like sometimes that ghost of Christmas past will continue to follow you all because of decision you made or didn't make seven eight nine years ago and I don't want that for nobody on here and if you're older listening to this I think we can all do a better job of sharing our stories and being transparent not just telling people don't do this don't do that share your story you don't got to expose everything but sometimes your story helps people like dang she made that choice I don't want to do that sometimes stories help us I know people of my mom's generation, they they told us what to do, but they didn't expose a lot of the mistakes they made. You know, like it almost seems like we know you made these mistakes because we here. You know, we know you didn't get married before having kids because we here. You know what I'm saying? But we didn't really talk about it. And sometimes these things need to be exposed. And then if you're on the other end of it, where you are working towards something, whether you know what you're about to do or not, whether you know which direction you're heading don't squander it because of frivolous decisions because second chances one are not always guaranteed and they always come and even if they are sometimes they always come with some type of written clause and so a lot of times the the reason i stay on the straight and narrow now is because now And I'm cleaning up my relationships, cleaning up my habits because I've already felt the consequences of feeling like everything that I want can be stripped away from me if I don't get parts of my character in order before it's given to me. Because I feel God saying to me, next time it won't be private. Next time this fall, you haven't won't be private. You're going to be exposed and not because God wants to hurt me. It'll just be the natural order of it. And unluckily, Shikari is that she's 21 and she's on a public stage. But this is why this conversation of the village is important, because sometimes I wonder who she got around her. Somebody sold her that weed, you know what I'm saying? Who knew she was going to the Olympic. Everybody know who she is around the world now. Somebody still sold her that weed. I want, you know, she probably smoked by herself. I get that too. But you know what I'm saying? And it's not to make anybody else responsible for grown people's decisions. Don't don't get me wrong for what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that sometimes we can do a better job of holding space for people to, to, to really see themselves before, you know, that downfall could happen. Like if we see our friends or a loved one doing something that could allow them to self-destruct, why would we just kind of open the door for them to fall off the cliff? And I feel like I've been that person in the past to even my friends by my silence, It's almost just like with black people who say, you know, a white person is not my ally if they keep silent. Well, it's the same thing. Am I really an ally to my friend? If I see her doing something that's detrimental to what I know she's capable of or what I even heard her say out her mouth is leading her is 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 the direction she want to go. Now, if I tell her and I hold space and she still make that other decision, then, you know, I can wash my hands of it. But how many of us have been silent, you know, seeing somebody go along the path because we didn't want to come off as the judgmental one, we didn't want to come off as we're hating, we didn't want to come off as, you know, I'm not God or because our life ain't all the way in order, so we didn't want somebody to check us on ours. And it's like, no, sometimes we got to get out of our own way and we got to help other people get out of theirs. We need we need each other. We need each other as sisters around the world of all cultures we need each other we need each other to hold space we need each other to say hey sis that ain't that ain't cool and i don't think you should do that and i don't think that's a good idea so that's all i have for y'all if you got value out of this conversation i would love to hear your thoughts i would love to hear from you um I thank y'all for holding space for me, for me to share something very um, vulnerable about about my own past, about my own process. And y'all, I'm doing this work along with y'all. You know, I get on here, and these are literally wondering thoughts from my mind. These are literally things I'm I'm experiencing, I'm thinking about. And uh, you know, if the conversations are for you, I pray that you discern what those things are and you have the courage and the confidence to put those things into action in a way that aligns with what you want and who you're becoming like always you all can reach out to me on my uh on the information on my website at whitleyandgreen.com you can also find me on Arts Feminine on Twitter and The Feminine Arts Academy on both Facebook and Instagram. And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wondering Whitley. Um, I love y'all so very much. So very much. And if your mind started wandering during this conversation, listen to it again. Or if it wandered to a situation that you're already in where you could hold yourself or you've been mean to say this to a friend because you you see this habit or you know, um, and again, like that's part of us us growing. Uh one thing I told myself when I first moved back from New York and I really started thinking about this concept of friendship and it really has been a process where God has been stripping me of of friends to work on me, not necessarily because they're bad friends, but really been you know showing me myself in 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 the mirror of my own relationships and one of the things I I intended was that I told myself I said God I feel where you're taking me I feel the heights that you are, are bringing me to. I don't know what they look like. I don't know in the form or in the way or the time, but what I do know for sure is that you're taking me somewhere that I don't want people around me who are yes men. I don't want people who around me who won't see me doing something and won't hold me accountable. I don't want people around me who going to tell me what I want to hear or see me doing something and keep their mouth closed, even see me have a mindset that's destructive to what I say I want to do. You know, I, I, I was like, God, strip those people away from me. But first, take that characteristic of me being that way out of myself so I'm able to identify. And God took me through this process of me being real with me, because oftentimes, like the thing is we can't hold anybody we can't have the courage to hold anybody accountable if we're afraid to be honest and truthful with ourselves if we lie to ourselves then we don't mind lying to other people even if that means our silence when we know they are doing something that's risky to their health or to their future and that's just a god honest truth that's just a god honest truth when we're when we're doing something that's not in alignment with you know What we got going is very hard for us to step in truth in somebody else's life. And I'm not saying I'm not saying to be perfect, but I am saying when you're striving to do that and when you're striving to even look at your flaws and expose them, the reason I can get on here and share, you know, different stories and even bring myself to tears because I'm thinking about it for a first time in a while is because I'm not embarrassed by my story anymore because I have worked on me so much in the dark that even if you try to use something against me, you're going to be playing yourself. So when you get so comfortable with everything, Of your story with every part of your past and even relive those moments and own that part of you that made those decisions that you're not proud of. Own that part of you who was not a good friend. Own that part of you who maybe was ugly and nasty and own that part of you who was beautiful all at the same time. You'll have the courage to step in somebody else's life in your imperfection and say, hey, I see you, sis. I see you. And because I love you, This is what I have to say to you. This is what I have to show you. This is what I have to tell you. You can still decide to do what you want, but I wouldn't be a friend if I didn't offer you this. I wouldn't be a mentor if I didn't offer you this. I wouldn't be your teacher if I didn't offer you this. So I love y'all so much. Um, Again, I would love to hear from y'all. I pray, you know, you are blessed with a village that sees you while you're hurting Uh, as as the queen mother tabitha brown so graciously said to miss wendy williams i pray somebody sees you and loves you even when you're in pain i love y'all so much talk to you soon